Hello, beautiful people. It is Saturday, July 13th. You know what that means? A bonus episode because I am on it today. I swear I am. <laughs> All right. So we are still reading the complete Grimm's Fairy Tales. I'm hoping that I will like story number four more than I like story number three. Um, and wait, so let me think. What is, what is this? Crap. So let's see, I failed to guess what was going on in the first story. I think I figured out the second story. I think I kind of got the third story correct, but that was off in some points. So I'll give myself like a one and a half. So out of the three, I'll do like one and a half. So let's see if we can round this guy up to two. We'll see. So the name of the story is the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was, which sounds very interesting. I'm hoping he runs to some like terrifying monster. I kind of hope he doesn't slay it though, because I mean like just because a monster looks like ugly or like looks terrifying doesn't mean that it is terrifying. I mean that's kind of, you know, that's really judgmental. So we'll see how it goes. But I do believe there will be a fight. Uh I do believe there will be a monster. Um I'm hoping they don't kill the monster like I said. I'm hoping it's more so like the mon that he makes the monster run away. Maybe. Uh, this monsters can also be bullies, so anything that falls under the monster category, because I've got to give myself some some leeway here. And I don't know. I think like I don't, I, I don't know. That that's about as far as I've gotten. Let's let's see if I'm on if I'm right on the plot here. A certain father had two sons, the elder of whom was smart and sensible, and could do everything. Oh, this is so cliche. Good job, book. But the younger was stupid and could neither learn nor understand anything. What the fuck? Alright. And when people saw him, they said, there's a fellow who will give his father some trouble. What? Alright, so this story is apparently incredibly judgmental. Great. When anything had to be done, it was always the elder who was forced to do it. But if his father bade him fetch anything when it was late or in the nighttime, and the way led through the churchyard or any other dismal place, he answered, oh no, father, I'll not go there. It makes me shudder, for he was afraid. Or when stories were told by the fire at night, which made the flesh creep, the listeners sometimes said, oh, it makes us shudder. The younger sat in a corner and listened with the rest of them and could not imagine what they could mean. They are always saying, it makes me shudder, it makes me shudder. It does not make me shudder, thought he. That, too, must be an art of which I understand nothing. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm getting somewhere with the story. Now it came to pass that his father said to him one day, Hurricane, Hurricane, Hurricane. What the? Okay. Hurricane to me, <laughs> thou fellow in the corner there, thou art growing tall and strong, and thou too must learn something by which thou canst earn thy living. Look how thy brother works, but thou dost not even earn thy salt. Well, father, he replied, I am willing to learn something, indeed, if it could but be managed. The elder brother smiled when he heard that and thought to himself, good God, what a blockhead that brother of mine is. Oh, so they're using the term blockhead back in those days. Okay. He will never be good for anything as long as he lives. He who wants to be a sickle must bend himself betimes. Okay, let me read that again because it makes no sense to me. He who wants to be a sickle must bend himself betimes. So I guess what he's saying is that his brother... Maybe, I mean, I get the sickle, I get the bending reference, because you have to bend for a sickle, but I can't really understand why it's here. Like, are they saying that he needs to bend himself in order to, like, 
bend himself to the ways of men and that like he needs to learn how to do something so he'll survive or is he saying that like oh if he wants to learn how to shudder then he must like grim things and so that's why the sickle sentence is there i don't understand but okay again these were times which i'm not a part of the father sighed and answered him thou shalt soon learn what it is to shudder but thou wilt not earn thy bread by that soon after this the sectun came to the house on a visit and the father bewailed his trouble and told him how his younger son was so backward in every respect that he knew nothing and learnt nothing just think said he when i asked him how he was going to earn his bread he actually wanted to learn to shudder if that be all replied the sectun he can learn that with me send him to me and i will soon polish him what the f what the fuck is a sectun a sextun like i'm sorry sextun sounds very different um, and sounds like it would mean something very different in this day and age than perhaps it did in those times. I'm just saying. Don't know what it means. Don't, I'm not going to look it up because I promise you the first thing that I'm going to get is something from Urban Dictionary uh, with some weird reference to some new position that they've come up with. And probably the second thing I'm going to get is porn. So I'm good. I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to satisfy my curiosity on that one. But if you guys happen to know, let me know. All right, moving forward. The father was glad to do it, for he thought, it will train the boy a little. The sextant... I... This word is going to be really hard for me for the rest of the story. This, the sextant therefore took him into his house, and he had to ring the bell. After a day or two, the sextant awoke him at midnight, and bade him arise and go up into the church tower and ring the bell. Thou shalt soon learn what shuddering is, thought he, and secretly went there before him. And when the boy was at the top of the tower and turned around, and was just going to take hold of the bell rope, he saw a white figure standing on the stairs opposite the sounding hole. Who is there? cried he. But the figure made no reply, and did not move or stir. Give me an answer, cried the boy, or take thyself off, thou hast no business here at night. All right, he is very brave. The sexton, however, remained standing motionless that the boy might think he was a ghost. The boy cried a second time, What do you want here? Speak if thou art an honest fellow, or I will throw thee down the steps. The sexton thought, He can't intend to be as bad as his words, uttered no sound, and stood as if he were made of stone. And the boy called to him for the third time, and as that was also to no purpose, he ran against him and pushed... <laughs> And pushed the ghost down the stairs <laughs> so that it fell down ten steps and remained lying there in a corner. <laughs> <They're laughs> that is so funny to me because everyone was like, he's not going to do it. He ain't going to do it. He's not going to do it. Boom. Now your ass is down the stairs. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so enjoyable. Okay, now I've calmed down a little. Alright. Thereupon he rang the bell, went home, and without saying a word, went to bed and fell asleep. <laughs> the sexton's wife waited a long time for her husband, but he did not come back. At length, she became uneasy and wakened the boy and asked, Dost thou not know where my husband is? He climbed up the tower before thou didst. No, I don't know, replied the boy. But someone was standing by the sounding hole on the other side of the steps, and as he would neither give an answer nor go away, I took him for a scoundrel and threw him downstairs. 
Just go there and you will see if it is he. I should be sorry if it were. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love this child. I love the fact that he's like, yeah, I figure someone broke in. So we're, we're going to modernize the, the language here. I figured somebody broke in. And, you know, I asked him a couple times if he had some business here, but he didn't answer me. And so I just decided, since he was just standing there, and of course I couldn't leave him standing there, I tossed him down the stairs. If it's your husband, though, sorry, but he never gave me a response. The woman ran away and found her husband who was lying moaning in the corner and had broken his leg. Her husband deserved that shit. She carried him down, and then the loud scream she hastened to the boy's father. Your boy, cried she, has been the cause of a great misfortune. He has thrown my husband down the steps and made him break his leg. Take the good for nothing fellow away from our house. The father was terrified and ran thither and scolded the boy. What wicked tricks are these, said he. The devil must have put this into thy head. Father, he replied, do listen to me. I'm quite innocent. He was standing there by night like one who is intending to do some evil. I did not know who it was, and I threatened him three times either to speak or to go away. Ah, said the father, I have nothing but unhappiness with you. Go out of my sight. I will see thee no more. His father is a jerk. I'm sorry. If someone was in my house, like if I like got up to go like to the kitchen, and someone was in my house, and I asked, first off, I would not ask that bitch three times, why are you here? I would have just tossed his ass down the stairs. I'll be honest, I would, have, I would have tackled him. His ass would have gone down the stairs. I would have been at the top of the stairs. I would have been like, eh, bye. And then I would have called the police. That's just what I would have done. And it's not because I'm violent, which I am. But my point is, if you show up somewhere that you should not be, somebody asks you, like, I mean, there's tons of times here in recent times where somebody will ask a question, they'll ask someone what they're doing. I mean, like, think about it. Like, if you if you find anyone in your house, what would you do? Are you really just going to, like, sit there and be like, okay, well, I guess, like, you have business here, so I'm going to leave you? No. If somebody shows up somewhere in your personal property, especially when they're saying, this is clearly where these people slept, if the wife got up out of her bed and went to where the boy was in his bed to ask him this question, so this is where people sleep. There is a figure standing there that does not say a single word, no matter how many times you ask them to. And you tell the figure you are going to throw his ass down the stairs. Eh, you got to back up what you said. He didn't do anything wrong, in my opinion. So it goes on to say, yes, father, right willingly. Wait only until it is day. Then will I go forth and learn how to shudder. And then I shall, at any rate, understand one art which will support me. Learn what thou wilt, spake the father. It is all the same to me. Here are fifty thalers for thee. Take these and go into the wide world, and tell no one from whence thou comest, and who is thy father. For I have reason to be ashamed of thee. His father is a fucking dick. So, okay, so I was right. There technically was a monster because he thought it was a ghost. And there's also a bully, which is clearly his father, and perhaps just a little bit of his brother. Uh, and no one's been murdered, though, but he did tackle him. So, I mean, that's kind of assault, but it's close enough. Uh, and he could have been murdered. So technically, I'm going to take this as I'm winning right now, as far as the plot line goes. It goes on to say, Yes, father, it shall be as you will. If you desire nothing more than that, I can easily keep it in mind. When day dawned, therefore, the boy put his fifty dollars into his pocket and went forth on the great highway, and continually said to himself, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. Then a man approached who heard this conversation, which the youth was holding with himself. And when they had walked a little further to where they could see the gallows, the man said to him, Look, there is the tree where seven men have married the rope maker's daughter. 
and are now learning how to fly. What the fuck? That is such a that is such a sickening way to describe someone hanging. Oh my god. Sit down below it and wait till night comes, and you will soon learn how to shudder. If that is all that is wanted, answers the youth, it is easily done. But if I learn how to shudder as fast as that, thou shalt have my fifty dollars. Just come back to me early in the morning. Little youth went to the gallows, sat down below it, and waited till evening came. And as he was cold, he lighted himself a fire, but at midnight the wind blew so sharply that in spite of his fire he could not get warm. And as the wind knocked the hangmen against each other, and they moved backwards and forwards, he thought to himself, Thou shiverest below the fire, but how those up above must freeze and suffer. And as he felt pity for them, he raised the ladder and climbed up, unbound one of them after the other, and brought down all seven. Then he stirred the fire, blew it, and set them all around it to warm themselves. <laughs> I think I love this kid. But they sat there and did not stir, and the fire caught their clothes. So he said, Take care, or I will hang you up again. The dead men, however, did not hear, but were quite silent, and let their rags go on burning. Unless he grew angry and said, If you will not take care, I cannot help you. I will not be burnt with you. And he hung them up again, each in his turn. Then he sat down by his fire and fell asleep, and the next morning the men came to him and wanted to have the fifty dollars, and said, Well, dost thou know how to shudder? No, answered he. How was I to get to know? Those fellows up there did not open their mouths, and were so stupid that they let their few old rags, which they had on their bodies, get burnt. Though the men saw that he would not get the fifty dollars that day, and went away saying, One of this kind has never come my way before. The youth likewise went his way, and once more began to mutter to himself, Ah, if I could but shudder! Ah, if I could but shudder! A wagoner who was striding behind him heard that and asked, Who are you? I don't know, answered the youth. Then the wagoner asked, From whence comest thou? I know not. Who is thy father? That I may not tell thee. What is it that thou art always muttering between thy teeth? There are too many T's in that damn sentence. Ah, replied the youth, I do so wish I could shudder, but no one can teach me how to do it. Give up thy foolish chatter, said the wagoner. Come, go with me. I will see about a place for thee. The youth went with the wagoner, and in the evening they arrived at an inn where they wished to pass the night. Then at the entrance of the room the youth said again quite loudly, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. The host who heard this laughed and said, If that is your desire, there ought to be a good opportunity for you here. Ah, be silent, said the hostess. So many inquisitive persons have already lost their lives. It would be a pity and shame if such beautiful eyes as these should never see the daylight again. Uh-oh. Someone's got to admire. But you said, how difficult it may be. I will learn it, and for this purpose, indeed, have I journeyed forth. He let the host have no rest until the latter told him that not far from thence, so did a haunted castle where any one could very easily learn what shuddering was. If he would but watch in it for three nights, the king had promised that he who would venture should have his daughter to wife. What the fuck? Why which why are women not worth anything when it comes to this shit? Why are you offering your daughter if someone can spend three nights in a haunted castle? Is this supposed to prove how manly they are? No, bitch. Like, what the f- mm. Okay. Well, I guess he's gonna about to get a wife. Alright, to go on to the story. And she was the most beautiful maiden the sun shone on. Of course she was. Great treasures likewise lay in the castle, which were guarded by evil spirits. Ah, I see. So the king really wants the treasure. Okay. And is willing to offer his daughter for it because he's a dick. Much like the guy's father. 
and these treasures would be would then be freed, and would make a poor man rich enough. Already many men had gone into the castle, but as yet none had come out again. Then the youth went next morning to the king and said if he were allowed, he would watch three nights in the haunted castle. The king looked at him, and as the youth pleased him, he said, Thou mayest ask for three things to take into the castle with thee, but they must be things without life. Then he answered, Then I asked for fire, returning life, which I'm assuming might be like a, a knife, maybe, or something? And a cutting board with the knife. Okay, so a lathe is not a knife. I don't know what a lathe is. The king had these things carried into the castle for him during the day. When night was drawing near, the youth went up and made himself a bright fire in one of the rooms, placed the cutting board and knife beside it, and seated himself on the turning lathe. Ah, if I could but shudder, said he, but I shall not learn it here either. Towards midnight he was about to poke the fire, and as he was blowing it, something cried suddenly from one corner. Ah, meow, how cold we are, you simpletons, cried he. What are you crying about? If you are cold, come and take a seat by the fire and warm yourselves. And when he had said that, two great black cats came with one tremendous leap and sat down on each side of him and looked savagely at him with their fiery eyes. After a short time, when they warmed themselves, they said, Comrade, shall we have a game at cards? Why not, he replied, but just show me your paws. Then they stretched out their claws. Oh, said he, what long nails you have. Wait, I must first cut them for you. Thereupon he seized them by their throats, put them on a cutting board and skewed their feet fast. What the fuck? I have looked at your fingers. I have looked at your fingers, said he, and my fancy for card playing has gone. And he shook them dead and threw them out into the water. Okay, so he's a serial killer. Um, But when he had made away with these two and was about to sit down again by the fire, out from every hole and corner came black cats and black dogs with red hot chains. And more and more of them came until he could no longer stir and then yelled horribly and got out his fire, pulled it to pieces and tried to put it out. He watched them for a while quietly, but at last, when they were going too far, he seized his cutting knife and cried, Away with ye vermin, and began to cut them down. Part of them ran away, the others he killed, and threw out into the fish pond. I would like to say, here's the monster's part, and he did kill somebody. Okay, when he came back, he fanned the embers of his fire again and warmed himself. And as he thus sat, his eyes would keep open no longer, and he felt a great, and he felt a desire to sleep. Then he looked around and saw a great bed in the corner. That is the very thing for me, said he, and got into it. When he was just going to shut his eyes, however, the bed began to move of its own accord and went over the whole castle. That's right, said he, but go faster. <laughs> I love this kid. Though the bed rolled on as if six horses were harnessed to it, up and down, over thresholds and steps, but suddenly, hop, hop, it turned over upside down and lay on him like a mountain. But he threw quilts and pillows up in the air, got out, and said, Now, anyone who likes may drive. <laughs> this kid is great. And lay down by his fire and slept till it was day. In the morning the king came, and when he saw him lying there on the ground, he thought the evil spirits had killed him and he was dead. Then said he, After all, it was a pity. He is such a handsome man. He is a handsome man. The youth heard it, got up, and said, It has not come to that yet. Then the king was astonished, was very glad, and asked how he had fared. Very well, indeed, answered he. One night is past. The two others will get over likewise. Then he went to the innkeeper, who opened his eyes very wide and said, I never expected to see thee alive again. Hast thou learnt how to shudder? No, said he. It is all in vain, if someone would but tell me. The second night he again went up into the old castle, sat down by the fire, and once again began his old song, If I Could But Shudder. When midnight came, an uproar and noise of tumbling about was heard. At first it was slow, but it grew louder and louder. 
Then it was quiet for a while, and at length, with a loud scream, half a man came down the chimney and fell before him. No, I don't like that shit. Hello, cried he. Hello, holo. It's holo, not hello. There's no e. Interesting. Another half belongs to this. This is too little. Then the uproar began again. There was a roaring and howling, and the other half fell down likewise. Wait, said he. I'll just blow up the fire a little for thee. He's, it's like he's almost slightly delusional with the thing. But he also wants to be really helpful. But he has a problem with animals. <laughs> I think that's, I think it's like the, I think I've got him figured out right now. Um, when he had done that and looked round again, the two pieces were joined together, and a frightful man was sitting in his place. That is no part of our bargain, said the youth. The bench is mine. The man wanted to push him away. The youth, however, would not allow that, but thrust him off with all his strength and seated himself again in his own place. Then still more men fell down, one another, one after the other. I'm assuming this is all the men that went missing. They brought nine dead men's legs and two skulls and set them up and played at nine pins with them. What? Okay. The youth also wanted to play and said, Hark you, can I join you? Yes, if thou hast any money. Money enough, replied he, but your balls are not quite round what then he took the skulls and put them in the lathe and turned them till they were round there now they will roll better said he hurrah now it goes merrily he played with them and lost some of his money but when it struck twelve everything vanished from his sight he lay down and quietly fell asleep next morning the king came to inquire after him how has it fared with you this time asked he i have been playing at nine pence who he answered and have lost a couple of farthings hast thou not shuddered then eh what said he I have made merry, if I did but know what it was to shudder. His thing with, like, wanting to be terrified is so interesting. The third night he sat down again on his bench and said quite sadly, if I could but shudder. When it grew late, six tall men came in and brought a coffin. Oh, this is lovely. Then said he, ha ha, that is certainly my little cousin who died only a few days ago. What the fuck? And he beckoned his finger and said, come, little cousin, come. The pla they placed the coffin on the ground, but he went to it and took the lid off, and a dead man lay therein. He felt his face, but it was cold as ice. Stop, said he. I will warm thee a little. Him in fire. He's also a pyro, apparently. And once in fire, warmed his hand and laid it back on the dead man's face, but it remained cold. Then he took him out and sat, him, sat down by the fire, laid him on his breast and rubbed his arms that the blood might circulate again. As this also did no good, he felt himself, when two people lie in bed together, they warm each other, and carried himself to the bed, covered him over, and lay down by him. After a short time, the dead man became warm too and began to move. Then said the youth, See, little cousin, have I not warmed thee? The dead man, however, got up and cried, Now will I strangle thee. What? said he. Is that the way thou thankest me? Thou shalt at once go into thy coffin again. <laughs> so he brought a vampire back to life with body heat, I guess, and or a zombie, and now the zombie wants to kill him? Okay. And he took him up and threw him into it and, slid, and shut the lid. Then came the six men and carried him away again. I cannot manage to shudder, said he. I shall never learn it here as long as I live. Then a man entered who was taller than, than all the others and looked terrible. He was old, however, and had a long white beard. Thou wretch, cried he, thou shalt soon learn what it is to shudder, for thou shalt die. Not so fast, replied the youth. If I am to die, I shall have to have a say in it. I agree. I will soon seize thee, said the fiend. Softly, softly, do not talk so big. I am as strong as thou art, and perhaps even stronger. We shall see, said the old man. If thou art stronger, I will let thee go. Come, we will try. Then he led him by dark passages to a smith's forge, took an axe, and with one blow struck an anvil into the ground. I can do better than that, said the youth, and went to the other anvil. 
The old man placed himself near and wanted to look on, and his white beard hung down. Then the youth seized, seized the axe, split the anvil with one blow, and struck the old man's beard with it. Now I have thee, said the youth. Now it is thou who will have to die. Then he seized an iron bar and beat the old man till he moaned and threatened him to stop, and he would give him riches. The youth drew out the axe and let him go. The old man led him back into the castle and in a cellar, showed him three chests full of gold. Of these, said he, one part is the poor, the other for the king, the third is thine. In the meantime, it struck twelve, and the spirit disappeared. The youth, therefore, was left in darkness. I shall still be able to find my way out, said he, and felt about, found the way into the room, and slept there by the fire. Next morning, the king came and said, Now thou must have learned what shuddering is. No, he answered. What can it be? My dead cousin was here, and a bearded man came and showed me a great deal of money down below. But no one told me what it, what it was to shudder. Then said the king, Thou hast delivered the castle, and shalt marry my daughter. That is all very well, said he, but still I do not know what it is to shudder. Then the gold was brought up, and the wedding celebrated, but howsoever much the young king loved his wife, and however happy he was, he still said always, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. And at last she was angry at this. Her waiting maid said, If I find a cure for him, he shall soon learn what, sh what it is to shudder. She went up to the stream which flowed with the garden, and had a whole bucket full of gudgeons, 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 brought to her, I guess. At night, when the young king was sleeping, his wife was to draw the clothes off him and emptied the bucket full of cold water, of a bucket full of cold water, with the gudgeons in it over him, so that the little fishes would spall about him. When this was done, he woke him and cried, Oh, what makes me shudder so? What makes me shudder so, dear wife? Ah, now I know what it is to shudder. What the fuck was this story? <laughs> First off, it was much longer than the other ones. Um, second off, it was crazy. It was a crazy story. I, I can't necessarily say I expected anything different from the Grimm, but I will say I did enjoy the story more than the one before it. So, yeah. But I was right. So he did have the whole uh, monster thing, and he conquered it, and... Uh, there was a bully, which was his father, and, um, he also got some Nicky, apparently, because he got the, he got the king's daughter a castle, and I wonder if his father ever came back and was like, hey, I'm sorry I called you all those mean things, and he was like, you, you should lie in the coffin now with the coffin guy. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's our story for this week. I hope you liked it, and I hope you guys have a good day, or a good night. Don't let the ghost get you. Bye.